0: We're starting a new series this morning. We'll take a break next week, but for the next few weeks we're starting this new series talking about Proverbs and talking about wisdom and talking about how it's more than just common sense. More than just common sense. Sometimes we think maybe that's what the Proverbs are, just common sense, but let me define common sense. I like this definition. It says this, a person's natural ability, and I think that's that's important. Natural. Kind of hold on to that. A person's natural ability to make good judgments and to behave in a practical and sensible way. Now, arguably, I don't know how common common sense is. Practical, sensible, good judgment. Depends on how much time you spend on the freeways and the highways. You know, d- d- depends on, you know, you, whether or not you think people in general have common sense. But I think we all have common sense, right? We're all able to make good judgments, to be practical and be sensible. Sometimes, though, I'm afraid we don't exercise you know, common sense. I've got a couple examples I'll show you like that. I don't know that that's practical and sensible way to do that job. And uh, this next one, here's another picture. Uh, if I showed you the whole picture, you'd see how tall it is. I'm not I'm not sure why most of these are pictures of men, but they are. So, um, And then I really like this one. Yeah, you know, I... I have no idea how that 's even possible, but apparently it is so th- there are moments when we we practice common sense, where we exercise our natural ability to make good judgments, and there are other times where y- you and I have all failed to exercise good judgments and to be practical and sensible. But but we have that ability, don't we? We all have the ability to kind of look at things and say, you know what, I, I don't think this would work out well. I don't think this is a good decision. I probably shouldn't do this or do that, or this is kind of dangerous, or I might get in trouble if I do that. And so we call those things, that way of thinking, our ability Our natural ability, the ability you're born with that's ingrained in you, it's hardwired into you, we call that ability common sense. And we all have that ability. But when we talk about the Proverbs, it's more than that. It's more than just common, natural sense, Well, when you pull one proverb out of context, and you just read one verse, you might read a proverb, you might have your favorite proverb, and you read it, and you think, well, that's just kind of common sense. Everybody knows that. That's kind of a logical way to live your life. But if, if I've taught this congregation, if I've taught myself anything, it's that you don't just pull one verse out of a collection of verses. You don't just pull one verse out of a book. We've got to take the whole book, don't we? And, that, and that's the case even with Proverbs. And I know that they're, they're kind of short statements. They're memorable. And they're supposed to be memorable. You know what you're supposed to do with memorable verses? Memorize them, right? You're supposed to memorize them. And that's what they're for. They're to write on your heart and write on your mind. But you can't just take one by itself. It's meant to be taken as a whole collection. And, and when you take them as this whole profound book, and it's more than just common sense. It's wisdom. And I want us to think about that word today and over the next few weeks, wisdom. What is wisdom? What does it mean to be wise? Because being wise and having wisdom is more than just education and it's more than just experience. In fact, this question's been kind of rattling around in my brain. There's a lot rattling around up there, but this is one of the things. You can be educated by learning a lot of facts. And you can be experienced by living a lot of years. But what does it take to be wise? Wouldn't we all agree with that, that wisdom is more than just education? It's more than just knowing a lot of stuff. It's more than having degrees. It's more than reading a lot of books. It's more than having a lot of letters after your name. Because you you can do all of that. You can learn all kinds of facts. and You can quote this and quote that. You can make all kinds of profound and pithy statements. And still not, by a biblical standard, be wise. And you can be experienced, and experience is good. Travel the world and see lots of things and live lots of years and do lots of different things and be with all kinds of different people and be introduced to different cultures and different ways of thinking. That can all be good. But you can be incredibly experienced. You can live a long life. You can do lots of things and still not be wise. So that's what I want us to think about because I want to be wise. How about you? I, I want to be wise. I want to live a wise life. How do you do that? What does that look like? What does, it, what does wisdom even mean? And that's what Proverbs helps us to do. Proverbs helps us not only to define wisdom but to obtain wisdom. And isn't that, isn't that good? I mean, it's right there for us to, to not only know what it is, because, because sometimes wisdom seems kind of just indescribable, undefinable. What does it mean to be wise? Well, Proverbs helps us to kind of get a picture, an idea of what does wisdom really look like? What is it? But then also, how can you obtain it? No matter who you are, or what your IQ is, or where you have been or haven't been, or how many years you've lived, whether you're old or young, whoever you are, you can be Wise. And so that's what this first few verses of Proverbs tells us. So when we, we dive into the book, there's lots of kind of standalone, pithy type of memorable statements. But these first seven verses, so that's where we're going to be. Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. And it gives us this picture of what the Proverbs are for. What, what are they for? So let's look at that. Proverbs chapter 1 and starting in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know, listen to these words, to know wisdom and instruction and understand words of insight. Wisdom, instruction, understanding. And inside, they're, they're right, they're right there. It's like, it's like God is gift wrapping it for you. I don't know about you, but I love, I mean, a letter in the mail is great. A card in the mail is even better. But the best thing to get in the mail is a package. Am I right? You know, you go out to the, and that's like Amazon now. I mean, you can order some on your phone. You got a package that afternoon, you know? So I love it. I can't, I can't hardly make it from the mailbox to my front door without opening the package. Oh, it Oh, cause I, I love, I want to see what's inside it. And I to have what's inside. That's what's here for us. That's what Solomon and, and these other authors have pinned so that God's people thousands of years ago and God's people today could have this. He says this is to, in order for you to know wisdom and instruction, to understand, Words of insight. You want that? I don't know about you, but I want that. I want wisdom and understanding and insight and knowledge. I I want that. And this will help us to have that. Now, look at this next verse, verse three. Here's where, here's where it gets a little different than what you might think wisdom is. To receive instruction in wise dealing. What's wise dealing? What does it mean to live a wise life? Look at what he says. Three important words. Righteousness, justice, and equity. See, when I think about wisdom, I think about it. Oh, why I always think about a guy with a long gray beard. You think about that? That's what I think. If somebody with a long beard, lived a lot of years, done a lot of things. Or maybe a professor. Somebody that has a, a great education. But I especially think about wisdom. I think somebody that says profound things. And I think, wow, they must be very wise. That was deep. You know, that was deep. What they said was deep. But this book, God's word in, in general, and as Richard said in the communion focus this morning, Jesus, as the embodiment The embodiment of, as John puts it in John 1, the embodiment of the word, the word of God becoming flesh, the wisdom of God becoming flesh. And as Jesus lives out this wisdom, it redefines wisdom, doesn't it? This isn't just long gray beard, it's not living a lot of years or having a lot of letters after your name and knowing lots of facts, and it's not even saying profound things. This is wisdom, righteousness, justice, equity. What does that mean? Righteousness. It's the root word of righteous. It's right, right? It's right, right living, to live in a way that's ethical, a, a way that's lawful, to do what is right and good. And and wisdom, wise dealing, is justice. When we think about justice, we tend to think about lock up the bad guys and make sure they're punished, right? But the biblical, the Hebrew word for justice is more about making sure that everybody is taken care of. Making sure that everybody's rights are protected, especially, and we've, we've touched on this a lot because the Bible touches on it a lot. Especially people like the widow and the fatherless the sojourner, and the poor. Justice is making sure that those people are taken care of and their rights are protected. That's what the Bible says wisdom looks like. It looks like righteousness. And it looks like justice. And it looks like this third word, equity or fairness, now, now there's a, there's a sense in which fairness is common sense, right? I mean, how do I know that? Because kids are experts at fairness, aren't they? You know, if you're, if you're a parent or you've been around kids, you know that kids are experts at fairness. Anytime you do anything that you'll have one kid or another say, that's not fair. That's not fair, right? That's not fair. And now what we're usually talking about when we talk about fairness is That's not fair to me, right? That's not fair to me. You're leaving me out. I'm not getting what I deserve. I'm not getting what they have. I'm not getting that. See, common sense teaches me a fairness that looks out for what I deserve and what I need to get. But wisdom teaches us a fairness that looks out for someone else. A wisdom that says, are they being treated fairly? That person that's not me, that person maybe that's not even in my group, that person that that doesn't look like me or come from where I come from or sound like me or think like me or vote like me, are they being treated fairly? You see, that's the difference between common sense fairness and wise fairness or equity. And you see how Jesus embodies that. Jesus embodies righteousness, and Jesus embodies justice, and Jesus embodies equity. And how God's word redefines what we think of as wisdom. You see, because in the world, we, we sometimes call wisdom street smarts, right? Street smarts. And we, we say, you know, I got to look out for number 1, right? Number 1. And we don't mean number 1 as in God, and we don't mean number 1 as in you. We mean number 1 as in me. I got to look out for me. That's wise. I got to watch my back. I got to make sure nobody takes advantage of me. I got to make sure that I get what I deserve. I got to make sure that I get my rights. See, but this type of wisdom that's not natural but spiritual. It turns everything on its head. And it says this type of wisdom isn't about saying profound things, and it's not about living a lot of years, and it's not about knowing a lot of facts. It's about how you conduct yourself and how you treat other people. That's godly wisdom. That's wisdom that's from above. In our Bible classes this morning, we've been talking about the book of James. You remember what James says in chapter 3 about wisdom? He says, wisdom that is from above is first pure then peaceable and gentle. Here's a good one. Open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, impartial and sincere. He says, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is the wisdom that comes from God, a wisdom that isn't natural, that you don't just wake up and you're not just born this way looking out for the interests of others. And doing what's difficult for you and laying down your rights and what you have for the sake of others and the good of others. As Richard read, Philippians chapter 2, consider the interests of others as more significant than yourself. That's righteousness. That's justice. That's equity. And that's something we don't learn from the world. And it's something we're not born with. It's not natural wisdom. It's spiritual wisdom and it's the wisdom that Jesus embodies and Solomon says this is the wisdom that proverbs teaches us proverbs teaches us how to live our life in wise dealings in righteousness and justice and equity look at verse 4 to give prudence now here's here he's going to tell us who needs this for for whom is this relevant Who needs the Proverbs? He says, first, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. I mean, there's all kinds of good words there. You know, prudence and knowledge and discretion and understanding and learning. But look at what he says, who this is for. He says, it's for the simple. We know that, right? I mean, the Proverbs are for the simple, so that the simple can become wise, so that that people don't live their life not seeing what they need to see and understanding what they need to understand, discerning what they need to discern and having the prudence that they need to live their life. So the simple need the Proverbs. So if we consider ourselves simple, we say, yeah, I need to be straightened out. I need instruction. I'm kind of naive and gullible, and so I, I need this. But then he also says the youth. The youth need the Proverbs. Why? Because youth need wisdom and discretion. It doesn't, they're not just born with it. It's not common sense, but but, church, I'm afraid sometimes we don't teach young people wisdom. I knew I, grow, I grew up not really being taught wisdom in the church. And even when I became a youth minister and I started to teach young people, I, I know that I didn't focus a lot of time and energy on teaching them wisdom. It was more about teaching them facts. And facts are good. You need to know facts. You need the foundation. You got to learn the alphabet if you're going to learn how to read, right? You can't write a book unless you know the alphabet. So you need those facts and you need to know God did this and Abraham did that and Moses did this and Joseph is this person. You need the facts. We focus a lot of energy and time on facts and we focus a lot of energy and time on rules to say don't do this and do this and this is bad and this is good and this is evil and this is right. don't do these things and do these other things. But there's so much lacking when we stop there, when we teach facts and we teach moral rules to live by, but we don't teach wisdom and discretion. Because there are a million times in our life that we say, well, nobody, nobody taught me the rules on this one. Well, what do I do now? What what do I do in this situation? And, and and I was always looking for a loophole. I don't know about you. But I always wanted to know, you know, okay, so so mom, dad, the line is there, okay, right? So don't. Don't go over that line, right? I got that line. Okay. Got it. So like, is this okay? Right? You know, I mean, am I okay now or how, how close can I get to the line without stepping over? That's not wisdom. We, we try to find ways. How can I live my life and technically not break the rules, but I still maximize my perceived pleasure? and minimize my perceived pain. I want to do what I want to do, and I want to enjoy myself, and I want to get away with as much as I want to get away with, And but if I cannot break the rules in the meantime, that's even better, you know? So I'll just find the loopholes to it. Young people need wisdom and discernment, not just to know the difference between right and wrong, but sometimes to know the difference between good and better, right? To know this is this is okay, but it's not the best option. But it doesn't stop there, because it would be easy for a lot of us to say, well, I'm not simple, and I'm not young, right? I'm not simple, and I'm not young, so I don't really need the Proverbs. Thanks a lot, Wes. I'm done, right? No, but he says, even the wise need to hear and increase in learning. So even if you consider yourself wise, don't stop learning. Learning. Because that's the hallmark of foolishness. The hallmark of foolishness is I don't need this stuff. I don't need to learn anymore. I've got it figured out. I've got this whole Christian thing figured out. I've got everything under control. I know how to live my life. I know how to be righteous and just and equitable. I'm doing pretty good. No thanks. I'll pass. That's foolishness. Even the wise say, I need to learn more. I need guidance. I need instruction. I need teaching. And Solomon says that's, that's why this collection of Proverbs is put together. That's why God is giving that to his people so that whether you're simple or you're young or even if you're wise, everybody needs wisdom. Everybody needs discernment. Everybody needs understanding. Everybody needs to be shaped, molded and trained to choose not just between the good and the bad, but between the good and the better the best and to know in any given situation what's the right thing to do here? What's the righteous decision here? What's the just way of living my life here in this situation? What's the equitable thing to do? What's the fair thing to do? Not just fair to me, not just to make sure that I'm taken care of and I get what I want. But what what would Jesus or what would wisdom embodied Jesus? What would he do here? How would he walk here? What would he give up and sacrifice here? Who would he be looking out for here? We all need that. You need that. And I need that. And that's the kind of thing we get from the Proverbs is this type of knowledge and wisdom and understanding and discretion. Now, verse 7. Here's where I want us to land and kind of wrap up our thoughts. But here's what I want us to think about as we go home. Here's a verse maybe you've heard a million times. Consider it in context. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools, as we said a minute ago, fools despise wisdom and instruction. But think about that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the, it's the core of knowledge. It is the indispensable element of knowledge. If you want to know and if you want to understand, if you want to be prudent, if you want to have insight if you want to live your life with righteousness and justice and equity, then it begins with fearing the Lord. So to go back to our original question, you can be educated by knowing a lot of facts, and you can be experienced by living a lot of years, but it takes the fear of the Lord to have real wisdom. Why is that? Why is it that it takes... Fearing the Lord. And what does that mean anyway? Fear the Lord. It doesn't just mean you're afraid of getting punished. It means you revere him. It means you surrender to him. It means you submit to him. It means you see him for who he is. And it means you see yourself in comparison. It means you promote the Lord and you demote yourself. It means you let him be on the throne and you get yourself off. It means you say, I want to do his will. I want to do what's pleasing to him. More than I want pleasure. More than I want to avoid pain. More than I want to get my own way. More than I, I want to get what everybody else is getting. More than anything in the world, I want to please God because I see him for who he is and I know what he's promised. And I believe his promises. And I believe he'll take care of me. And do you see, do you see what we could, what we could be if we lived our lives that way? What would we have to be afraid of? We look out for ourselves because we're afraid, don't we? We say, i got to watch my own back. I can't trust that other people, I, they'll, they'll take advantage of me. They'll manipulate me. They'll walk all over me. I can't by, be naive. I've got to be street smart. got to watch out for number one. Why? Because we're afraid. We're afraid of what will happen. But when we fear the Lord and we submit ourselves to him and surrender ourselves to him, we don't have anything to be afraid of. We know that He will keep His promises. We know that even if we're killed, even if we die, even if we're taken advantage of, even if somebody slaps us on our cheek, even if money is taken away from us, even if we forfeit all that we have, we know that God will take care of us and reward us and raise us to everlasting life. So what do we have to be afraid of? When we fear the Lord, we have nothing else to fear. And you see, when we live our life this way, where we say, I want to please the Lord, then we can really live with righteousness and justice and equity. And we can love our neighbor as ourself. And we can love our enemies. When somebody slaps us on our right cheek, we can turn and let them slap us on the left. Why? Because our life is not a pursuit of pleasure and our life is not a a, a trying to avoid pain. We're willing, to, we're willing to deal with some pain and we're willing to sacrifice some pleasure. Why? Because we fear the Lord and we want to do His will. And so in that, we can begin. We can begin to be wise. We can begin to live with righteousness and justice and equity. So you can have all kinds of profound things to say. And you can learn lots of different facts and you can experience all kinds of things But your wisdom hinges on your relationship with the Lord. That's what it comes down to. Wisdom hinges on your relationship with the Lord. That's what I want us to go home with and think about and meditate on, is that if you want to be wise knowledgeable and understanding. And I do. I don't know about you, but I've been foolish with a capital F. I've been so foolish and done things and I think, why did you do that? And why did you say that? And why did you go there? I need so much wisdom, training, knowledge, and insight. I want God to give me that. And it begins with submitting to the Lord. It begins with surrendering to the Lord. It begins with fearing the Lord. So your wisdom, no matter how old you are, it doesn't matter. You can be young and wise. You can be old and wise. You can be educated and wise. You can be uneducated and wise. You could have done all kinds of wicked and foolish things and still be wise. It doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or what you've experienced or not experienced or how long you've lived. It depends on your relationship with the Lord because wisdom is from Him. So wisdom hinges and your relationship with the Lord. Isn't that good news? So the application is, is simple, isn't it? Increase your relationship with the Lord. Stand in awe of Him. Fear Him. Surrender to Him. Trust Him. Put your hope in Him. Ask Him, and He'll give you wisdom. But maybe there's somebody here. I don't know where you are in your journey, and maybe you've decided it's time. It's time to begin my relationship with the Lord through Jesus Christ. It's time to put off the old man, and be buried with Jesus in baptism. It's time to begin living a wise life. Not that day one you'll have it all figured out or day 3,000 you'll have it all figured out. I don't know that any of us in this life will ever have it all figured out, but we're trying to be wise, aren't we? And if you want to begin that journey with Jesus, then be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. It's it's your gift, wisdom and knowledge and understanding and forgiveness and salvation and a home with God forever. They're gifts, yours for the receiving by faith. Or maybe you just need prayers or encouragement. We are all in this journey together. You've made foolish choices. I've made foolish choices. We've all made foolish choices. And we all have things that maybe other people in our lives have made foolish choices. And their choices are affecting us. And we're in this together, in this life together, in this struggle together, in this journey together. Please let us pray with you. Let us know what you're going through so that we can walk with you. Our shepherds, after services, they'd love to meet with you in the prayer room. Or right now, come forward as we stand and sing this song.